0: Uh, If you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, turn with me, let's start in um, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to begin there this morning and just try to uh, share with you just a few thoughts that the Lord has put on my heart. Uh, And so anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, let's let's just go ahead and begin at the third verse. Uh, it says, "I thank God, whom I serve, from my forefathers, with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of Thee in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see Thee, being mindful of Thy tears, that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in Thee." which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed, of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his uh, prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whom hath abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which... I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Let's go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you one more time this morning thanking you for the good day and the many blessings and for each one that's come our way this morning. Thanking you, Lord, for your presence, your spirit that uh, we've already felt here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the roof you put over our head and the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here this morning. But we thank you most of all for your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him. Lord, so that we might have life and have thy life eternally and abundantly. We're not worthy and we don't deserve it and we can't do enough to earn it or repay you. We can't even thank you enough. And Lord, you knew that beforehand and you did it anyways because you loved us. You loved us before we ever loved you. And Lord, I just pray as we go forward in this service. Lord, that everyone here would realize just how much you love them, how much you care for them that you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus, to die for them. While they were still yet your enemy. While they were still saying bad things about you. While they cursed you and mocked you. Lord, my prayer is is that you would move on each one of us here this morning. You know our hearts, you know our minds, you know where we stand. You know what we stand in need of. You know what it will take to shake us and wake us up. Lord, just have your way and your will in our midst, in our service here this morning. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. And Lord, let me just pray one more time, asking, Lord, in our worship service here this morning, Lord, in this portion of it, Lord, that you would just move by your Spirit in a mighty way. Your presence would be felt and known. God, that you would convict us by your sweet Holy Spirit. God, that I pray, Lord, that your your words would not return... Vo- uh, void here this morning you made us that promise and so Lord I pray that they find their landing sp- uh, their landing spot Lord that their target Lord that they would penetrate deep God that they would take root and they would find good soil and they would transform us from the inside out to- into the image of your son so Lord I'm asking have your way and your will in our midst in this service here this morning move in a mighty way God uh, help me I can't preach without you. I know that. So I'm asking for your help. Clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to to say here this morning. My desire, Lord, is for, for them to know that it's come from you, Lord, and it's come through my spirit to theirs. So, Lord, I'm asking that you just preach me one more time here this morning, and I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name and we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. So, I want to focus in on for just a minute verse, I wanted to read this whole section of scriptures so that you would have the context. but I want to focus in on verse 12. Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, a young pastor. And he says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. Right? He's saying, I know who I have placed my faith in. I know on whom I have believed. Right? Paul is, he, he is starting a statement here of confidence in God. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Apostle Paul is saying he is persuaded. He has confidence in whom he has believed. Can I ask you some questions here this morning? Is there such a thing, is there such a thing as being saved, but not being sold out. Is that possible? Is that a real thing? Can you let me word it this way? And Mike, I promise, me and Mike had a conversation before church. This ain't got no, This isn't because of our conversation. These thoughts was what God had already given me. My notes was already made. Can you be saved, but not really live like it? Can you be saved, but not live like it? Is there such a thing as a carnal Christian? Right? That's the church term for it. That's a theological term that is used. But I'm asking the question, is there such a thing as a carnal Christian? Christian, right? Carnal, worldly, sinful Christian. Let me say it this way: Can you be saved, but not be totally transformed or changed? Right, the 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 the, the old man, right? Who you are as an unsaved person is the carnal man, right? Can you be can can you be saved? But there not be a new birth. Can you be saved, but yet you're not totally transformed? Maybe a little bit changed, a little bit transformed, but not really changed. Maybe a few things are different, right? Occasionally, uh, you know, a few times a month you get up and go to church, but everything else is the same. Is there, does that person exist? Is there such a thing? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... Now let me pause there for a second. If any man be in Christ, meaning man, meaning mankind, so we're talking man or woman here, male or female, if you be in Christ, understand, in Christ means saved. Right? If you're not in Christ you're not going to be saved from the wrath of God. If you're not in Christ, you're not going with Him to heaven. If you're not in Christ, He's not went before you to prepare a place in His Father's house right for you. So to be in Christ means to be saved. So therefore, if any man be in Christ, Scripture goes on and says, he's kind of a little bit different sometimes. No, he doesn't say that. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away. Yeah. Behold, all things are become new. I think that answers the question. Can you, is there such thing as saved but not sold out? No. Is a, can you be saved but not really live like it? No, that's called your lost still. That's called in sin. I'm not going to say that you won't ever mess up. I'm not going to say that you won't ever stumble and you won't ever fall. I'm not saying that you won't ever be tempted by sin again and not give in to it. But when you do, you know what happens? Because you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you, and He will convict you, and He will be grieved by it, and something will have to take place, right? You'll have to repent and get things right again, Or be under conviction until your heart becomes so hard that you don't even care anymore. Listen to me. I played around. Oh man, I don't even know if played around is the right word. I messed, yeah, I guess messed around, played around. Right, I, I didn't know, I wasn't raised in church. And then all of a sudden in my late, mid to late teen years, um, close to around the time I started driving, whatever, I guess that's maybe mid-teen years. You know, I see now looking back, all of a sudden God started dealing with me from all these different angles. Uh, all of a sudden dad started working with a guy who was on fire for the Lord right then. Got my dad to come to church. You know what my dad did when he came to church? The whole family followed him. All of us, right? His wife, mother, all three of us kids. That's what we did. We went to church with, I mean, there wasn't no thought. There wasn't no question. We didn't argue, you know. It wasn't no laying in bed and going, oh, no, I don't. I'm just, you go without me. No, 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 no. You didn't. go. No. no. When dad said we went, we went. We might have done that with mom, but not with dad. We all went. Dad got saved. I didn't realize that or recognize that at the time. I remember very well the day that he got baptized. I probably remember it so well because of there was family that came and went to church with us that day. I remember my grandma being there. I remember my aunt being there. I, re, I remember my... Um, Dad's oldest sister, I remember how how overflowing with joy that she was. I didn't really understand it. You know what I'm saying? I was a teenager. I should have got it. Right? I should have got it. I should have understood. But I I didn't realize the magnitude of it. I knew it was special and I knew it was a good thing. The biggest thing that stood out to me. Because my dad had a, well, I mean he was just a typical lost man, right? He he had a potty mouth and you know he fond of dirty jokes and all that kind of stuff and and he was always the type that whenever he was around the ladies, you know, in other words, when we were at the house and you know my stepmother and and and. His sister and all that, he wouldn't talk so much and act so much like that. But I was the oldest son. I was, in his eyes, I was nearly, you know, grown into a man. So when it was me and him out, you know, he just, and especially around his friends and buddies and like that. And the thing that stood out to me was like a light switch all that changed. I remember talking to my. I remember standing in the cafeteria before school started, right? That's kind of where everybody, the gym was right off the cafeteria, it's kind of where everybody uh, gathered to, and I, you know, before school started and socialized and all that. And I can remember standing there and talking to my best friend at the time, and I remember saying to him, I don't understand. I don't get what has happened with Dad. He is just totally different, and it was a good thing, you know. I was glad, right? Old things had passed away. He was changed. And you've heard me talk about and testify, and, and, and unfortunately, there were some bad things that happened later on, and he, he fell away from the Lord. But anyways, my point was, was the witness, the testimony to me Right. if all that would have ever happened was he made a trip to the altar and then a week or two later he got dunked, I probably wouldn't remember any of that. I probably wouldn't be able to stand here and testify about it and talk about it because I wouldn't remember any of that. The thing that stood out to me that's caused me to think back and then remember some of these other things was the change that took place in him. Amen. It's the same change that took place in me whenever I got saved. Right? I mean, the way that I thought. It's not even the same as what it used to be. So can you be saved and not be changed? Not according to the word of God you can't. Not according to the word of God you can't. Right? Because if we're in Christ, then we are a new creature. Right? The, The old things have passed away. Here's what I think. I told you, you know, the question was, is there such a thing as saved and not sold out, right? Is there such a thing as saved but don't really live like it, right? Is there such a thing as a carnal Christian? No, according to the Word of God, I do not think so. You're either all in or you're all out. You're either all in Christ or you're all out of Christ. You're not halfway in and halfway out. You're either fully persuaded. Paul was fully persuaded. You're either fully persuaded or not at all. Jesus either has all of you or he has none of you. None at all. Right? That's what I mean by that none of you. He either has all of you or he has none. None at all. None of you. So let me say this. If I was just going to say one phrase and leave it as that, I would say it would be this. Let everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind. Paul was fully persuaded in whom he believed, in whom he trusted, in whom he served. Let you be fully uh, persuaded in your own mind. Fully persuaded about Jesus. Fully persuaded about what the word of God is. Man, Satan has come along and he does everything he can to sow seeds of doubt and to distract people, right? And to get them to doubt the word of God and to question the word of God. I'm telling you, let you be fully, let you be fully persuaded in your mind about Jesus, about his word. Let you be fully persuaded about your relationship with God. You should not leave here wandering with a single doubt in your mind mind that if you were to die today, right, you leave here on the road and you get hit up here at the intersection and heaven forbid that it was to take your life, cost you your life, you should not leave here with a single doubt about what would happen in the next moment after after you passed. Be fully persuaded about your relationship with God. Fully persuaded about what you are doing or supposed to be doing for the Lord. So maybe the question that I'm asking this morning is, is how persuaded are you? I think we live in a day and a time where we've got a lot of people that fill the pews that are a little bit persuaded. They're kind of, sort of persuaded, but they ain't all in. They ain't fully persuaded. If they were fully persuaded, I believe the word testifies to us that they would live like it. Paul was fully persuaded. Paul was able, have you ever read or studied or thought about everything that the Apostle Paul went through, all the persecution? Uh, I know that it's not all of it, but there's a little bit uh, of, a, of a list here in, um, the, uh, towards the end of Second Corinthians. Uh, Second Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 11 here. Let me see if I can see it and I'll just kind of skim through it real quick here. In verse 26, he says, um, no, let me back up a little bit. Uh, in verse 23, he's talking here, uh, and he's making his case, right, that he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews and, and that he was a Pharisee. And then when he starts in 24, he says, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes to save one. Five different times he is beaten within an inch of his life. That's what 40 stripes save one is, right? 39 lashes across the back. The, the reason it's 40 save one is they had deemed that 40 is enough to take a man's life, right? So 39 is tough and just short of it, within a, beaten within an inch of his life. Five different times. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, right? A night and day I've been in the deep. Three different times he was shipwrecked because of his work for God. Three different times. One time he spent a night and a day floating in the ocean. I seriously doubt he had a life vest on. I seriously doubt that he had one of them uh, White round rings uh, uh, that you think about back in the old days in the Navy, right? They didn't have things like that. Maybe, maybe there was a couple boards he could hang on to, but a day and a night uh, he floated in the ocean. In journeys often and in perils of water and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen in perils of heathen and perils of, uh, uh, in the city, and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren and weariness and pain, uh, painfulness and watchings often and hunger and in thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness, Paul suffered. How was able, Paul able to suffer like that? Uh, what is it, Acts chapter 16, where him and Silas are beaten, put into the innermost part of the prison? Right, expected to be executed the next morning, but God intervenes and saves them. Right at the midnight hour, it says they start singing psalms and hymns. How is it? Paul was fully persuaded. He was fully persuaded. Paul was able to stand before kings and preach the gospel because he was fully persuaded of whom he served and that what he had to say was the truth. He was fully persuaded that what he was saying was right, that it was the truth, because it didn't come from him, right? It comes from the word of God. It comes from the mouth of God, right? It comes from him, from God himself. When I think about this, Think about how persuaded Paul is. Think about another instance having to do with Paul in Acts chapter twenty-six. Paul is in prison because of preaching the gospel. Right? The Jews were so upset because he had been so successful in preaching the gospel. There had been so many conversions, and so he they catch him at the temple one time, and they um, they're trying to kill him is what they're trying to do. The Roman soldiers interfere. They take him prisoner. He's held for prisoner for over two years, right? Uh, they, uh, whenever he's being transferred, uh, they're trying to lay in the dark, right, and have a sneak attack and and, and kill him while he's being transferred. They try to trick the authorities uh, into transferring him again, so they can take another shot at trying to kill him. Uh, he he's eventually uh, sent as a prisoner on a ship to Rome in order to make his case. Before Caesar, he's made his case before governors, before kings, uh, before the high priest, uh, it's all because of his testimony of Jesus Christ. And so you get in Acts chapter twenty-six and verse twenty-one. He is speaking to King Agrippa, grandson of uh, of Herod. And it says, and he says, and it says there for these causes. Paul is speaking for these causes. The Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus, now Festus was the governor, said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art uh, besides thyself. Much learning doth make thee man. Right? So he's there testifying again. He's told his story to King Agrippa and to the the governor, Festus. And Festus loudly interrupts and says, Boy, you have lost your mind, right? You're going crazy. In verse 25, Paul responds, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness, for the king knoweth of these things. Before whom also I speak freely, for I am pers- persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a quarter, in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest, right? Remember, that's who he's testifying, that's who he's talking, instead of his king Agrippa. and He's saying, do you believe this? And he's saying, I know that you believe what I'm saying. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that, thou, uh, that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. Paul had just given his personal testimony. And then he used that as a launching pad and he preached Jesus to these guys. And King Agrippa says there that he is almost persuaded to be a Christian. Think about that. Almost persuaded to be a Christian. He wasn't persuaded. And we have no record that he ever was later on either. So we just have to go with what the Bible tells us here. He was almost persuaded. How do you think he feels today? Knowing how close he came to getting saved. But instead, he is suffering an eternal torment. Do you not know that this day that I just read you a little bit about goes through his mind continually over and over and over again? But that itself is also, a, I'm sure, a great torment for him. Almost thou persuadest me. Right? I'm sure he was thinking almost, But. But there's some sin. But there's some things uh, that he don't want to give up. Some things that he don't think that he can live without. Some things that he don't think that he can stop doing. There's an example of a man almost persuaded. Can I give you an example of a man fully persuaded? How about Noah? Noah was a man that was fully persuaded. Right? Genesis uh, chapter 7 verse 5 says, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him, right? He'd he done everything God told him to because he was fully persuaded in whom he believed. He would have had to be in order to do what God had asked him to do. Right? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we come to a place, right, in time where the world is so wicked. The Bible says God repented that he would made man, right? We repent that he made man. In other words, God regretted even making man, because man had become so wicked in all of his thoughts and his deeds, right? So evil and so wicked. But it says that Noah was a man that found grace in God's eyes. And so God decided that he was going to destroy the earth, wipe it clean, start over again. So Noah, the Bible tells us in, I believe it's 1st chapter 2, um, maybe it's Second Peter chapter 3, but anyways, it talks about Noah being a preacher of righteousness. Now, I don't know exactly how this deal went down, right? I, I mean, I know what the scripture tells us, but beyond that, I just have to kind of spec in the details a little bit, I guess. And It seems to me when you go back to Genesis chapter 6 and you begin to read that, maybe it was a 120-year period that Noah uh, was building the ark. It doesn't say that Noah's boys helped him build the ark, but I kind of assume they probably did, right? I know I know, if it was me, I'd be like, Jake, if you're going to get on and ride this thing, you're going to help me, all right? So, I mean, I'm just kind of figuring I think that's probably a option. assumption. And so anyways, God had revealed to Noah what his plans was and what he was getting ready to do. Noah was so persuaded, fully persuaded, that God was going to do what God had said that he was going to do, that Noah sacrificed everything, right? Don't you know that it took everything that Noah had to build that old ark? Uh, That's a great big boat, right? He's building that out there somewhere where he's not like he's a on the bay of an ocean or something like that, right? It's out there in the middle of a... Uh, I can imagine maybe he's starting a forest, I don't know, a field or whatever, but it's out there on land. It's not somewhere where they water or enough water for it to float. He's a building that thing, and can you imagine, right? People around after a while are going to take notice to what old Noah is doing. It's not going to be long where he goes from old Noah, or Noah's a good old boy, to crazy old Noah. He's a building that boat, another building and they're going along and I think the boys are helping and it ain't long until they say you know what it's bad enough that Noah has lost his mind and he's building that boat but he sucked his kids in with him too on it he's got them going now don't know how it went says he was a preacher of righteousness how can you be a preacher of righteousness and not preach I think Noah preached. I do. And I think he warned them. Hate nobody listened to him. We know that because the word tells us that. Because the word tells us there was only eight souls saved. Right? That's Noah. Noah's three boys and all four of them's wife. That's the eight souls. That's the only ones that listened to him. The rest did not, did not, uh, uh, they didn't get on the boat, right? They weren't fully persuaded. Uh, but he's a preacher of righteousness. And can you just imagine, day after day, week after week, right? Month after month, year after year, right? I'd say people are going out of their way to go back to see this monstrosity that crazy old Noah is building, right? Don't you know that he had him probably, a, uh, he had him a stomp or something there use every opportunity he could to be a preacher of righteousness and proclaim to them the righteousness of God and warn them of the judgment that is coming and all is going to be destroyed. The only ones that will be survived is the ones that are in this boat. You know, after a while, there might have been some saying, you know, it kind of makes some sense. Uh, He's crazy, but yet He's kind of too. He's awful right about some things. I think there was some that was persuaded. Some, they just weren't fully persuaded. They weren't persuaded enough to get in the boat. They weren't persuaded enough to give up everything and throw in. The Bible says God is the one that shut the door. You know... There's so many things I could say about this. One, this is a supernatural event that happens. I'm sick and tired of people trying, and Jennifer talked about it in Sunday school this morning, people trying to explain away the miracles of God in the natural world. Listen to me, when God intervenes and when he does something, right, when he, when he intersects with our natural world, it is no longer natural. It is, by definition, supernatural. And you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Whenever, uh, whenever it come time to start loading that boat, Noah and the boys did not, I do not believe for a second, they did not go out on the safari right? They didn't have one of them jeeps with the big long arm and the seat out there on it. They didn't have no safari hats and a big net. No, this is a supernatural event, a supernatural occurrence and the Bible tells us that there was two of every kind of animal and seven of the clean ones and whenever it came time to load that boat, all Noah had to do was open the door and stand there by it and God sent them two by two. Can you imagine the look on people's faces whenever they see This string of animals coming along. Ones that weren't persuaded are starting to get a little persuaded. And I've often wondered when the boat was loaded, God shut the door. That's what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 7. God shut the door. God shut the door, no man's going to open it. And I've thought a lot about that door shutting. I think everyone heard the door shut. I think everyone in the whole world heard that door shut. And in that moment, right, the shut of it was probably like a clap of thunder. And in that moment, they realized how bad they had just messed up. They, They realized, right, they're in the same shape that King Agrippa is in. Almost persuaded. Almost, right? Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Noah, you almost persuaded me to get on that boat. Do you not realize that the same scenario is happening right now, today? The boat is being loaded again, except it's Christ, right? I told you if you're going to be saved, you've got to be in Christ. There is coming a moment in time when the door is going to shut again. This time it's going to be the shout uh, and a trumpet of the archangel. And every ear is going to hear it again. Every eye is going to see. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 17, it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So that they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came. And destroyed them all. What a feeling it must have been when it started to rain. To have been that close to have actually believing in entering into the ark. But every one of those that was almost persuaded, they perished. People were caught unprepared because they were not fully persuaded. In Second Peter chapter three, verse three, it says, Knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. How tragic it would be to leave this world almost persuaded to be a Christian. Almost persuaded, but held back by some desire or some habit. Almost persuaded, but kept back by some temporary, fleeting sense of pleasure. Almost persuaded to completely... Sell out. You do realize this morning that you can't just be acquainted or familiar with Jesus. He must be your Lord. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, on that day of judgment, God's going to say, I never knew you. Almost ain't going to be good enough. He's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. How sad would it be to leave this world almost persuaded? You know what? You'd probably almost make it to heaven. You'd probably almost make it to heaven. Do you realize how much distance separates hell and heaven? One heartbeat. One heartbeat. That's it. Almost to heaven is hell. My prayer for you this morning and for everyone under the sound of my voice is that you would not take another chance, not another moment. You would walk out these doors today almost persuaded. That you'd leave here fully persuaded, just like the Apostle Paul was, just like Noah was fully persuaded don't you leave here fooled deceived by the devil thinking that you can go back and you can go back into sin and you can live sin, live in sin and you can do your own thing and do your own way right and as long as you do a little bit for God once in a while you'll be alright you'll be just like all of them in the day of Noah you'll be just like King Agrippa you'll almost make it there almost would you stand to your feet I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning if the spirit of God is dealing with you would you come this morning if you've got a need if you've got a burden would you come this morning whatever it is maybe you realize this morning for the first time you're not where you ought to be You're not where you need to be. Would you come this morning? Maybe there's somebody that's on your heart, right? Maybe you got a burden for somebody that you know. You know they're not where they need to be. Would you come and pray for them? Whatever the need is, whatever the burden is here, don't miss this opportunity. And if it's you, I'm begging you, stop worrying what other people think. It don't matter what they think. All that matters is what God thinks. Would you come this morning? Would you step out in faith? Would would you be willing to throw it all away to come and to follow Jesus? Would you come?